From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Why do people leave? Why do they leave? Why do they leave your team? Why do they leave your company? Why do they leave your church? Why do they give up on pursuit of the vision of your organization? That is the challenging question that we are going to talk about today. And I have to tell you, it's not challenging because it's complex. I was shocked at uh, this this interview with Scott Love, who uh, maybe is new to you unless you're in the recruiting industry, um, but this guy has some powerful stuff on this idea of why people leave. The part that is challenging, and if you're a leader, you need to prepare yourself to hear this, is really getting in tune to how maybe what you're doing or not doing is connected to why people are leaving. So it's a fabulous show. You're going to love it. If you are a leader, if you have leaders on your team, this is a must listen to for them. So I would encourage you to share this episode with anybody you know who is in leadership of any type of organization at all. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Tune in. We're bringing the heat. We're bringing the value like always. Thank you for being here. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. His name is Scott Love. And uh, one of the reasons that I brought him on here, um, he's an author and a speaker. And his expertise is specifically on the topic of employee loyalty. But one of the reasons why Scott has really impressed me and I've, I've become friends with him is because he is a practitioner. And that, as you know, is in our creed at Southwestern Consulting as we are practitioners of what we preach. Um, And we're practitioners first and we're teachers, uh, consultants second. And he is an example of one of those guys. Um, He, for over two decades, has been in high-level headhunting. And he's worked with CEOs, executives, uh, international law firms, And what has happened, not only has he become a top producer in that industry, he's developed a a large following. He formerly had a a, a training business that was just uh, teaching, recruiting, and now he's really focusing in on his expertise of employee loyalty. And his book is called Why They Follow, How to Lead with Positive Influence. And so what we're talking about is retention. How do we keep people um, from 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 leaving or from being recruited away, and so it's it's kind of like uh, learning from Robin Hood here a little bit. Uh, what some of the what some of the tricks of the trade are. So Scott, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, man. It's great to be a guest on your podcast. Oh yeah, well, and it's good to return the favor. Um, 
I, uh, I've enjoyed following you over the years. And so let's talk about employee loyalty. And here you are, you're kind of the guy who's made a career. I mean, one of the best in the business of recruiting people away. Um, sure. and what are some of the, what are some of the biggest reasons you think, why, why do people leave? I, I- First and foremost, it is always an emotional reason. And this is where a lot of managers, they've either figured it out or they haven't in terms of their experience as a leader. And whenever I call into organizations, and I've recruited in different niches, I've done contingency, retainer search for corporations over the last six years. I recruit partners for big law firms just with a Washington focus. And when I call people who are professionals, most of the time, they're not thinking of making a move. Most of the time, they're thinking about their next conference call or their next meeting. So I'm interrupting them. But I'm able to build the trust and I'm able to get in their head and find out what's keeping them from being completely happy. And it's never the money. It's never about compensation. That's one part of it. It's always an emotional context to how they relate themselves going mm. to work every day. And I think if we wanted to find a model that can easily explain why people come to work and what motivates them to stay, we can go to Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You're probably familiar with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we look at the self-actualization and then what's right below that, it's the recognition, the sense of being recognized for what we do. You know, if, if a manager was able to lead in a way that he was articulating the vision of the organization and how it would help that employee reach those two levels, in terms of their personal fulfillment in life and in terms of their recognition, they're going to be 90% of the way there to keeping employees. Uh, I'll tell you this. I've literally, literally, literally had tens of thousands of conversations with professionals trying to extricate them from their companies. Hey, look at this opportunity. You know, let's go over here. And there are people that will never leave for better opportunity. And I, and I can't tell you how many times I've heard candidates wow. tell me, you know, Scott, I appreciate the call. I don't care if you're selling me winning lottery tickets. I'm never going to leave. I love these people. I love it here. And it goes back to what I mentioned. It's the emotion. So, so the key is to get a manager to lead in a way that their employee connects meaning to work and loyalty to that manager and even to that institution. It's more personal than it is to the institution. So, wanna, so, so let me let me ask you about yeah, this. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, uh, this is so like uh, uh, I don't know if I've ever done an interview with somebody that got to the heart of an issue so quickly as we just did. Um, and I am 100% on board with that idea because I think most leaders, you know, when they think of vision, it's like, okay, I'm going to talk about the vision, vision, vision. This is where we're going as a company. But the part that they miss is connecting that global corporate vision to the individual vision of each person on the team. So how do they do that? It's, it's one at a time. This is, I had an interesting experience. When I was on active duty, I was third in command of a Navy ship in Norfolk, Virginia. I was on my way of getting medically separated. It was for migraine headaches. They were debilitating. Long story short, is just because my spine was out of alignment from a sports injury at the academy. You know, that, that's all it was. But so I was getting medically separated and they said, well, the next year and a half, it's going to take a while. 
you're going to have to go to your shore duty tour early. And I was in the right place at the right time. And I got to be a leadership trainer at the world's largest naval base. This is in the early 90s. And at that time, the Navy had an initiative called Total Quality Leadership. It was a spin off of W. Edwards Deming's concepts of total quality management. So at a very young age, when I was 24, I was an internal organizational development consultant and trainer. And I would go to different military and civilian government worker commands, and I would teach them how to lead, how to manage based on those concepts. And one of those key concepts is to create an environment that allows those people at the field level to feel safe to bring problems up the chain. Mm. And uh, that's contrary to some military traditions, you know, but, but in getting into the organizations and getting a chance to see what motivates workers, what was interesting to me was if you have a sailor, uh, he has to stay there. He can't turn his notice in. If he does, it's called, it's called desertion. So the military has an advantage to retaining right. talent. You know, you just can't <laughs> leave. Right. But somebody that's a government worker can. And what, what was interesting was the people, and I live in Washington, so a lot of my friends are, are professionals devoted to a lifelong of government service. And, and I would see people, especially lower level people that were working for the government, this is interesting. I saw that they were motivated to do a very good job. When I was able to get in their heads and, and structure things and ask questions and lead focus groups, I saw that they really wanted to do a good job and they wanted to improve. And what was interesting was that the more they worked, the harder they worked, the more effective they were, the more their pay stayed the same. It had nothing to do with compensation. And that was when I realized that it's all about the emotion. If a manager can lead in a way that causes that employee to have positive feelings about working there, that's how you keep them. That is why they will follow. And that's what my book is all about, how to lead with positive influence so that there's an emotional context that results in loyalty. So when you talk about that positive emotion, right? Because um, part of this is very sobering as a leader. I mean, realizing that every time people leave is because of an emotional reason and the reason they stay is because of an emotional reason. Absolutely right. Uh, you know, Absolutely. when I, I, I go through the roster of all of the people who've come through Southwestern Consulting over the last 10 years and we've had some people leave that it's been great. They needed to leave and it was like, it was the right thing. But there's been other people that we've lost that it's like, damn it, like we lost a good person. And yeah. it's very sobering for me to go, you know, there was, it wasn't because of their pay or, or it was, there was some emotional failure. There was some way that we didn't connect. So what are, is there any like warning signs or, or like, what are some of the telltale things? Cause I think as a recruiter, you're spotting them not from the standpoint of, okay, how do I turn this person around? You're spotting them because you're kind of like digging for soft dirt and you're going, oh, I, I found somebody who is emotionally in a place that they would be willing to leave. So what do you look for that indicates that? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when I get to people, it's usually beyond any sort of indication. And it's not necessarily that they've got their resume, they're ready to start shopping around. It could be more of them just expressing some sort of frustration to me. Anytime I recruit a candidate, I always ask two questions before I even tell them about an opportunity. I say this, what's keeping you from being completely satisfied? On a scale of one to 10, 10 meaning you're completely fulfilled, where are you in that range? And it's interesting because you would have thought that no one's ever asked them that question before. Mm. And they tell me, well, I'm about a six. What's keeping you from being a 10? 
there's usually an issue, and, and it could be one of several different variables. It doesn't have to do with pay, and, and I believe that's true for most professionals. Uh, there is some sort of an issue. The second question I ask them is, in terms of your ideal situation, what would that look like to you? And I usually structure it in terms of a story. I say, let's just say I had your dream job and I called you in. It would make your world filled with rainbow sparkles and unicorns every day. It would be just magical. <laughs> and then, I've got a five-year-old, a four-and-a-half, five-year-old little girl that uh, in my world is pink and purple. So that's how, mm-hmm. I, how I think. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> rainbows, sparkles, and unicorns, sparkles. That's right. What would make it magical? And then they laugh. And when I tell them that, they laugh. The walls come down. And so I, I intentionally use that as a way to get them to trust me because I'm telling them something about me. They trust me. And now they're telling me, well, if you had something that looked like this, I would be interested in that. And so I would recommend to managers, when they're talking to someone like me and they're going on interviews, I don't want to say it's too late, but you should have been paying attention to something. And I think just having that honest relationship, this is what I'd recommend to give some framework and some structure to this situation is when a manager has a new employee join their company, tell them this, at some point, you and I are probably going to leave this organization. We don't know if it's going to be two weeks from now, two years, two decades, or when we retire. So let's just make a deal. If at any time you're not getting what you need from this workplace, let's you and I talk about that before you start talking to your competitors. Let's make that deal. Anytime I have a new candidate, I make a deal. As long as we're going through this process, if at any time you don't think my client's the real deal, I'm okay with that. I just need you to tell me that. And I think by giving people and having that conversation of let's talk about what you can expect from me as a manager and what I need to expect from you as an employee and make a deal with them. If at any time you just don't think this is working for you, talk to me about that. Let me see what I can do to help you. Uh, when I, one of my first jobs, when I got out of the Navy, uh, you know, I sold long distance back when it was 25 cents a minute. Nice. You know, you nice. know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was this is hardcore B2B, uh, you know, going into office buildings, having security escort you out because, well, don't you see the no soliciting sign? Well, that's not me. I'm offering value. You know, that's that's what I'm doing here. And. And I remember the manager of that long distance company said, you know, in our industry, there's a lot of turnover. You know, my job is to help you to do as well as you can here and to give you tools that if and when you decide to leave, it's going to improve your career. Wow. When he told me that, I'm like, I'm loyal to you forever, man, because he saw my personal agenda as being more important to the corporate personal agenda. And that's the way it is. And that's just the way people are. Let's not fight it. Let's use that to our advantage. Let's get as much out of people as we can and enjoy the process together, knowing that the tighter you hold on to people, the more they want to break away from that. Sometimes I think the best thing you can do is to just give people space. If at any time you you think this isn't the right company for you, I want you to feel comfortable enough to talk with me about that. Let's see what we can do to keep you here. So I, I got two things in there. So uh, number one is just op- a, a conversation where you're opening the door and you're just extending that invitation. Like at some point, right. if okay. And the second one is connecting what you said there at the end was that he saw your agenda above like the corporation's agenda. And so that's, right. that's, right. that's, that's part of connecting. Is that part of connecting the corporate vision to the individual's vision? I would say absolutely right. Uh, And I'll give you an example of this. One of the most 
impressive people I'd ever met was General Walt Boomer. He was a former assistant commandant of the Marine Corps. That's a four star. Uh, and he was one of the ones that led the Marines into Kuwait during Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And he was running a corporation up in Connecticut. And I interviewed him for an article that I wrote. And I said, Walt, I said, what's more important, mission accomplishment or taking care of your people? Because at the Naval Academy, we learned every day, take care of your people. But you also hear accomplish the mission. And are those competing agendas? And so I asked him, what I said, what's more question. important? Yeah, yeah. And, and, that's a, and, and, and this is what he said. Let me think about that for a second. And I, and I thought, whoa, I, I, I can't believe I stumped this guy. But he, had, he really had to think about this. And he said, taking care of your people. As long as you've got the right people in place, they will accomplish the mission. There are probably about two or three business lessons from his very short, pithy response to me. As long as you've got the right people in place, you take care of them. They're going to accomplish the mission. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. Uh, you know, my wife is a big fan. She always talks about how people don't leave companies. People leave people. Um, Absolutely. And, and she says that a lot. So um, so you talk about um, – so let's talk about finding the right people. So let's flip it a little, let's flip it a little bit because mm -hmm. not, not only do you – um, you know, find candidates, right? And you're looking for these people who are unhappy and you're trying to help them be happy somewhere. But then you're also working with employers to try to help them find the right people. So mm -hmm. what are some of the keys to, um, you know, finding the right people? Like, like one of the things I think about is when we interview people and you're like, yeah, so tell me, you know, tell me about yourself. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm a hard worker. I'm honest. I have integrity. You know, you can trust me. Like everybody says the same stuff, but uh, you know, 80% of the time it's not really true. So what are some <laughs> of the things you can do to try to vet out the real candidates from the not the not so legitimate candidates. Right, right. Well, there's a couple of things in your question here. Let me start with this. How do you find the right ones? The first answer everybody comes to is social media. And I don't think that's the best approach. Social media is a great way to attract those that are not at the top of their game. With all due respect to social media, those people that are going to respond to social media, those are the ones that aren't next in line to be promoted. It depends on what you want. Uh, some companies, they don't need the people that are the tens. They're fine with the fives or the sixes. They don't need rock stars. And that's a good way to fill the position and get, to, get the, the butts in seats. You know, that's all right. If an organization is looking to grow with high-performing professionals, people that are on the cutting edge, and it doesn't mean that they're top in the org chart. It could be a, a high-professional mid-level engineer that's a high-performer or an IT uh, programmer. If that's what they depend sure. on, the absolute best resource for them is to go through an executive search firm because they vet through, uh, vet all the candidates out there and they only present those that are worth the fee. And what drives that? You know, Adam Smith, it's, it's the, the free enterprise system. We're all in this for ourselves and our entire society works because collectively we're pursuing our own goals interdependently with each other. And I'm going to charge you a premium fee by giving you a candidate that is proven and vetted and exemplary in all aspects of his performance and has a high likelihood of staying there a very, very long time. That's the best avenue. The second best avenue is within a warm market. So part of, that is, part of that is saying, right, it's like somebody who 
you know, if you're advertising on whatever monster or Craigslist or whatever social media, you're finding yeah. someone who doesn't have a job, but typically the best people have a job somewhere. That's they're, correct. They're and, crushing and the it at what they're doing. Typically right. And the best ones aren't exactly interviewing everywhere. You know, there's, and, and, and there are exceptions to this, of course. There are people that are, uh, that are very good that have been laid off just through bad circumstances. And I don't want to disrespect them at all. But typically, you know, generally, it's those that are next in line to be promoted. They're too busy to look. And the only way they would ever consider another move is someone calls them, taps them on the shoulder. You know, example, I have one of my clients coming to my office tomorrow to look over who are some candidates within the hedge fund space that we're going to approach that I'm going to call them and say, my client thinks highly of you and asks me to reach out to you and tap you on the shoulder and see if you're open to coming in for a meeting with him. That's going to get the attention of people just because, you know, if my client called him, well, how dare you call me? You're a competitor, but I call him. I'm, I'm third party. Of course, they're going to tell me they're going to open up to me. And I, I know my client strategy, so I can sell them effectively. You know, that's the ideal situation. You know, the disadvantage of that is that it's expensive, but whoever budgets the most to get the, mo the best people, those are the ones that are going to win the game. And, and here's the, the deep irony, is that people talk about a shortage of candidates. There is not a shortage of candidates. Hmm. They are there. It's just the good ones are working. And they have the sting of the global economic crisis fresh in their mind. So they're gun shy about making a move. So it depends on somebody that can effectively sell an organization. What about internal recruiters? Well, you're telling me your team is the best? Absolutely. Well, you're on it. Of course you're going to say that. Right. You know, somebody that knows the market, that understands, you know, I work with 40 different firms, but you know, I know 40 different firms, but I only work with about five or six because these are the ones that I've made the most placements with. And this is what they tell me after they join that company. We use social proof to reinforce that compelling narrative. Uh, so uh, so I'd say if an organization, if they just don't have a budget, they can go through their warm market and use their employees as a good way to open up the dialogue with those people that typically aren't looking. But uh, but that's that's what you asked as a million dollar question. You know, how do we get the best candidates and not have to pay a whole lot? You know, it's uh, that's tough to do. Right. Well, you know, you, you talk about referring from existing team members, which is how we recruit most of our our people. Sure. But man, I cannot believe 20 minutes has gone by already. This is absolutely insane. This has been so fast and it is such a rich topic. Um, fortunately, if you want more, you can get Scott's book. It's called Why They Follow, How to Lead with Positive Influence. As you can tell, I mean, he's playing both sides of it and he's living in that world uh, and he's really good at it and he, and he trains on it. And uh, you can go to scottlove.com. Is that where people should go, Scott? Yeah, that's correct. They can find it there. They can find the book on Amazon. And I've even got some other resources on my website as well. That's great. Well, buddy, thank you for that. I mean, there are lots of takeaways here in just a very, very short amount of time. But uh, I mean, if you didn't catch the part up right up front about connecting the, the, the company's vision down to the individuals, that is going to be a big takeaway. And People leave because of emotional reasons. So that's sobering advice, Scott, but it is, it is, it is powerful, and uh, we appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Let's do this again real soon, buddy. All right. It sounds good, my friend. All the best. Thank you. It's one of the toughest dilemmas that I struggle with as a leader is you know, where to take responsibility for people who leave. It's really hard because 
you know, sometimes it is just the right thing and somebody needs to move on and it's, it's a good thing. And other times you sit back as a leader and you go, hey, what did we do wrong or did we do something wrong or what could we be doing better? And I think that's a, it's, a really, it's a really tough question and it's interesting to me, fascinating to learn from someone like Scott who is out there uh, you know, basically poaching people away from companies and he's making a living doing that. And, and he is a, a top producer. He's very well known as, as one of the trainers in the industry uh, for placement, executive search, headhunting, um, that whole space. And, and yet now he's working on the side with leaders talking about uh, all the stuff that we just talked through. And I think it's just, it's, it's just, there's, it's a uh, sobering to, to, to hear that, People leave because of emotional reasons, and um, that is something I think that is so important to just remember and to just know as a leader. And when to hear him talk about like all those government employees who who are making a set pay and it's never going up, but they're they're still ecstatic, they're still excited about what they're doing shows you that I think a lot of times we we put too much emphasis on pay and we think that, oh, it's all about pay when really it's, you know, pay is just a, a box that has to be checked and it has to be reasonable, but that's not really why people leave. And so I guess there's there's a couple things. So there's, there's three things that I wanted to share um, that are big takeaways from me uh, or for me from that interview. And... Um, you know, the first one is just how do you connect that the, the global corporate vision to the individual vision of each person on the team? And looking out for the person first, right? Like we want to talk about what we're doing as a company because we get value from the work that we deliver. That's where meaning in our life comes from. Meaning, it comes from the service that we provide to people around us. Um, and so our work is an important part of our life. And the, con- the ability of a leader to connect the, the team's vision, the corporate vision, the company's vision about what the company is doing, what role the company is playing in the world, and the leader's ability to connect that to the individual person on the team, the performer who has their own career ambitions, their own goals for finances and for their family and for their lifestyle and those things. The leader who can connect those two things is going to win because that leader is going to always have the very best people. And those people are going to be bought in to the vision because they're going to see the alignment of what, how pursuing the company's goals and the company's objectives are, are going to help them get to where they want to go. And that alignment is huge. And it's very hard because most people suck at creating vision. They do. Most people suck at creating vision. They, they don't know how to talk about it, um, you know, even for their own life, let alone for their company. And the, you know, when I think of vision, I think of talking in pictures it is is talking about what do you want the future literally to look like? What kind of 
um, office do you want to have? What kind of customer experience do you want to provide? Like, what would what would the world f- actually look like? How many people would be there? What kinds of things would people be saying? You know, to describe a future moment in the most visceral way possible is is to me what vision is. It's not an an academic statement that checks all these boxes. It's an emotional statement that that creates a picture in the minds of of people. And, you know, what is the company vision? You know, like at Southwestern Consulting, we talk a, a lot about, you know, our mission, the reason we exist is to help people achieve their goals in life. But our vision is we want to change the way the world thinks about selling. And we want to elevate the practice and the perception of selling. We want to, you know, eradicate all the negative stereotypes that there are about selling and to become a, one of the, the most trusted sales performance companies in the world. That's what we want to do. That's a part of our vision. And then we have all these other visions in terms of what we want our speakers to be able to accomplish and our coaches and our clients. Um, those are all, they're, they're pictures, right? Like we talk about having multiple authors on our team that have best-selling books in the store. We talk about at our coaches camps having, uh, you know, 400 coaches. Uh, and we've been talking about that since there were four people, right? Since we had four consultants, we've been talking about one day there's going to be 400 and now we're at like a hundred. So we're, we're on the way there. So that's the corporate vision. But the, the, the key for the leader is to not only articulate that, which you have to always be doing and talking about, but to also connect it to the individual vision. How do you do that? Well, the first step is you have to figure out what each person's individual vision is. How do you do that? You spend time with them one-on-one and you ask them questions. You ask them, what, do you, what are your goals? Like, what do you want your life to look like? What kind of family do you want to have? Where do you want to travel to? How much money do you want to make? What kind of office environment do you, do you want to have? Where do you want to live? Like, what do you, and, and, and probably most importantly, what type of work, like what activities would you want to do on a daily basis that would really fill you up and really inspire you? And if you can... First, clarify what it is that they want, and then you can connect to how following a certain roadmap or a certain path um, will not only forward the company's objectives, but forward their own objectives. Now you have a winning, a winning situation. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I loved that. I loved that part. Um, and I think it's so, so, so powerful. Um, I want to share with you one thing that I disagreed with Scott on slightly um, was, you know, I, I agree executive search is a great way to find people. Um, we have used it, um, and I think it's it's a it's a it is. I, I agree with what he said that there is no shortage of candidates. It's just that very often the good ones are working, um, and I really really agree with that a lot, and I think that's powerful. Um, but I think social media is actually a great way to recruit people um, because building business based on um, people that you know is a great, great practice. I mean, our best employees and our best team members and our best coaches and our best contractors are the best people that we work with in general. It's, it's are from referral. The same way of selling happens by referral. Um, I think the best recruiting happens by referral also. And so I do think that the process that executive search takes a candidate through is much more rigorous and, and, uh, you know, 
probably more systematic and professional for vetting candidates, but there is something magic about doing business with friends, just like selling by referral. So, and I just think, I, I don't necessarily think posting something on social media and saying, hey, who wants to come work here is the best way, but doing a technique or strategy that we teach, uh, we refer to it as the hunt and peck, where you can access and look at all the people in your network and pinpoint specific people based on the interests that they have and the people that you both know, I think that is a fabulous way to recruit. So um, I just wanted to kind of clarify that, you know, not every guest that comes on, I don't agree with, uh, I mean, there's probably no guest that I agree with 100% of what they say. Um, but I really loved what Scott is saying here in, in general. Um, that's just one sort of technical thing that, um, and I, and I, you know, I agree with this, this, the executive search part. So, um, but, the next thing, so there were, you know, I said there were three big things that I, I took away from Scott. So the first one is connecting that global corporate vision to the individual vision. The second thing that was so powerful to me was the interview with the four-star general. What a great question. Is it the accomplishing the mission that matters or is it taking care of your people? Like, if those become competing interests, which one takes priority? If, if, if the accomplishing the mission or taking care of the people become competing interests, which one takes priority? And I think, you know, for the most part, they're very connected. They're very interrelated. But to have a four-star general say, it's taking care of your people— um, it also reminds me of the book uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, which if you haven't read is a, is a just a fabulous book. I'm a huge fan of Simon Sinek. I've, I've seen him speak multiple times, and I, I think that the stuff he teaches on leadership is just very rich. And, um, you know, Simon talks in that book about how in the military, all the officers, without any sort of stated there's there's no there's no code there's no written or documented procedure, it's just a stated thing that officers eat last. Um, they let everyone else go first, and it's like become this this part. I, I believe it's the Marines. Sorry, I'm not completely you know 100 percent um, on the on the details of it, but but the concept you know has really been powerful for me is that all the officers you know, let all the soldiers eat first. And it's it's like this this unspoken um, signal or commitment that we take care of our people. And that is so powerful, right? Um, now, at some point, if the company doesn't survive, it, it's not able to take care of anybody. But in general, to the point that the company is able to survive, it, I mean, what is a company other than the collection of the people? It's not the company that comes first. It's the people that comes first. And people give life to the company. Um, and yet the company gives life to the people. So it's the symbiotic relationship. So I just thought that was uh, an unexpected answer even from a, a four-star general. Um, but, you know, regardless, I, I, regardless of if it's company first, people first, I, I think, you know, people, it's, it's all about people, right? People are the company. People are the vision. People are the future. And we have to take care of them and we have to prioritize them. And I, that's huge. Um, the third thing and the final thing that um, really just resonated with me, and I've already touched on this a little bit, is that people are emotional. People are emotional. Just like in selling, 
you know, selling is a transference of emotion. Um, it's the same with leadership and recruiting, is that people buy emotionally, they stay emotionally, they, they commit emotionally, and then they leave emotionally. And that doesn't necessarily mean when everybody leaves that it's your fault as a leader. Like sometimes they leave for emotional reasons that are beyond the extent of the company, right? Sometimes they leave for emotional reasons that are just divergent with the company, and that's really okay. But knowing and having clarity about the idea that there is something emotional that is causing this person to leave. It's not logical. It's not just a logical thing. There is some emotional dissatisfaction, and getting really clear about that, I think, will empower us, at least for me as a leader. I'm just, this is really locking in my mind something that I think is, is valuable. And and also, great leadership is about moving people emotionally, right? It's not, you don't lead people logically. You lead them emotionally. You, you when the reason vision and all that stuff matters is because it creates an emotion inside of people that moves them to take action. It creates this, this mission for everybody to, to dedicate their their time and their energy and their life to. You're, you're activating people's emotions. You're not laying out logically. I mean, there's, lo- there's room for logic. There's need for logic. You need to have a plan and structure, but that's not why people stay, and it's not how people win. It's, it's emotion that moves people to action. It's, it's emotion that wins. And if, if you have the ability to move people emotionally, then you have the ability to lead, to be a great leader, to inspire. The word inspire means literally to breathe life into. Uh, it's actually a, bibli- a biblical term, and, and right? It's, it's the way that God inspired the creation of man. He breathed life into us. Um, and that is what leadership is. It's, it's inspiration. It's inspiring. It's breathing life into people, moving them to an, um, emotionally. And if you can do that, if that's the only thing that you can do and just be mindful of the emotional, if, if you have emotional sensitivity, if you have emotional intelligence, if you're tuned in to what is going on with your people emotionally, then you're always going to be a great leader. If you're only worried about logic and, and are they doing what they're supposed to do and are they meeting their expectations and are they checking the boxes and are they following protocol and are they following procedure – Right, that's that's there's there's value to that. I I my and I kind of think of that as management, and sometimes management gets a bad name, um, and and it shouldn't because there's a lot of value to that. But that's not what leadership is. Leadership is the person, and and if you can take care of the person, you're gonna always win. It's and it's kind of like uh, Maya Angelou once uh, said. It's one of her famous quotes. One of probably the all time famous quotes in general. She said, "People don't remember what you said." They all they remember is how you made them feel. People remember how you make them feel. That's it. So when you have an argument with somebody, it doesn't matter if you were right or wrong. All that matters is how you left that person feeling, right? Like when you're selling to somebody, it, it, it's not about what you say. It's about how you made them feel. And it's certainly when you are leading somebody, when somebody entrusts you with their life and, and they say, here I am to dedicate hours and time and 
commitment and my intelligence and my 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 work ethic and my time and just my my skills here I am to be in service of this when somebody entrusts you with that as a leader it doesn't matter what you teach them how to do what matters is how did you make them feel that's it at the end of the day how did you make them feel and if you make people feel cared for if you make people feel loved if you make people feel appreciated if you make people feel looked after then those people will feel led and those people will follow you and that is the call of a great leader so go out and move people emotionally care for them be sensitive and mindful of how you make them feel. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.